The scripture today is from Romans 8, 18 to 30. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from the bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present times. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the fruit first of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Whose hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through the wordless groans. And he who searches in our hearts knows the mind of the spirits, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew he also predestined to be conformed in the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Well, good morning again. Like Amanda read, we're going to be coming out of Romans chapter 8 this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if you would please turn to that, that would be great. And while you are turning there, I want to talk about words here for a second and how they can kind of shift what they mean. Take example of the word cool. Okay? Cool. We all know that cool means not hot, not cold, somewhere kind of in between there, right? Like a fall day, you walk outside, you might need a jacket, might not need a jacket, you know, but it's, it's cool outside. But somewhere around the 60s, a little bit before my time, (laughs) go 60s, right? It changed a little bit, didn't it? Cool now means, that's pretty neat. That's something I really like, man. That music is cool, okay? So cool, it didn't change its definition, it got a definition added to it. Then we came up with the word hot. Right? Hot means hot, right? Little kid, don't touch the furnace. It's hot. Until about the early 2000s. Then we had this intellectual genius, Paris Hilton, who began to say something that was hot was neat. Right? He's exactly right. So now, in our culture, cool means neat, hot means neat. So basically, cool and hot are the same thing. Okay? The definitions have changed a little bit. Uh, Another word. Let's talk about the word hack. Hack. Now, when I was growing up, if you weren't very good at something, you were a hack. So I played a little bit of golf when I was growing up, and I was terrible. 
terrible at golfing. And everybody would say that you are a hack golfer. How many of you are hack golfers in here in this room right there? All right. Almost everybody in here is a hack golfer. But then computers started to come around. And you were able to, to get online and you were able to break into other people's computers by your computer. And if you were able to achieve that feat, you hacked into somebody's computer. You were a hacker. All right. So it changed from being bad at something to be able to have a skill at something. And now, thanks to things like Pinterest, Facebook, Twitter, and those things, to be a hack, it means actually a good thing. It's actually something that makes your life easier. Like for say, you can take a toilet paper roll, two Dixie cups, stick your iPhone in it, and turn it into speakers. That's called a hack, a life hack. Let's pray before we get into the scripture. Uh, Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to be able to open up your wonderful book that you wrote for us. Um, Lord, I just thank you that you are a God who wants us to live life amazingly. And God, so as we open up the scripture this morning, I would pray that we would be able to take the words that Paul wrote down to the, to the church that was in Rome uh, so many years ago, and that we would be able to pull out some life hacks for our own lives as well. Father God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. All right, hopefully you had enough time to get into your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, but life can be hard. Can it? Life can be difficult. And uh, for, for us who have trusted in Jesus, um, sometimes we, we come into that, that new life, when, whether we're our, our little kids or we're adults, when we, when we trusted Christ that day, whether you, you, you came up front as an altar call or you sat in a pew or you, you met with your, your Awana teacher, your Sunday school teacher, whatever that, that day was, it's a fantastic day. It was, it was like life was all right. And so, and, and sometimes we come away from, from this, this, uh, this experience of trusting in Christ thinking, all right. I've got God on my side now. God is my friend. He is my savior. He is my father. Thank God life has got to get better. And I think most of us in this room have been believers long enough to realize that even though we know Christ, life can be hard. Whether it's in your own personal life. Maybe it's your relationship in your marriage. And you're struggling with being able to know how to communicate with your wife or your husband. And you're just having difficulty in that most important relationship that you have in all the earth. Is your relationship as a marriage. Or maybe it's you trying to raise your kids up. And just dealing with the issues of having children. I know, I, I have five kids, and my oldest one is now a teenager. Pray for me. Alright? Within the next six years, I am going to have three kids in high school. 
but my little girl is still my sweetheart. All right, all right. But, you know, it's raising children can be heartbreaking. Like many of our parents here who are seeing their kids go to on with life, it's hard. Being a parent is hard. Your job situation can be difficult. It can be hard as well. You know, being, especially if you want to be a, someone who lives their life as Christ would want you to live your life in the workplace, sometimes the, the people who employ you or your bosses really don't want to cooperate with you. When I was just a brand new believer back in Western Washington, I, I worked in construction. I was, you know, your basic manual labor, you know, digging ditches and, and uh, sweeping up floors, uh, cleaning, you know, if, time to lean, time to clean kind of thing going on. And, I, and don't ever ask me to build anything for you as a carpenter because I am the worst. The worst, all right? So that's basically all they let me do is just clean stuff up. And I had a boss. And that boss was really burned when he was younger by, um, let's just say, a, a religion. Really just burned him to anything that was anything associated with Jesus Christ. And I was a brand new believer, and man, I was on fire for God. I'm rocking Stephen Curtis Chapman in my car at lunchtime. You know, I got my Bible out, and I'm reading it all the time. And I'm just wanting to, to talk about the Lord and be on fire for Him. And he hated me. He hated my guts. And there was one time we were standing around a scaffolding. And we, it, this was a house. It was about a $6.5 million house that we were building. And there was these rock features on the outside. And we had to build the scaffolding so that the masons could get up there and do their work. And, and we were just running into a problem. And we, we were just, when we're standing around, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get the scaffolding to stand up and be stable. And I'm standing, I'm standing right next to him. And I, I just look at it, and I don't know where this moment of inspiration came from, because it was probably my last one I ever had. But it was, I just said, I came, I, why don't we do this? And when you say it, it seemed obvious at the time. Like, yeah, why don't we just do that? And Bill, he looks at me, and he punches me. Right on the jaw. I mean, it wasn't very hard, and not like he decked me out or anything. Like, just a wham. And I'm just kind of standing there in stunned disbelief, like... What in the world just happened? And he kind of looks in his eyes like, what in the world just happened? And he turned around and he walked away. You know, fortunately, uh, you know, he, he came back and he's like, you know, I don't, I don't know what got into me. I'm really sorry. And, you know, you forgave him. And our relationship was, was much better from that point on. But our work relationships can be difficult. It can be a struggle. And sometimes when, when we think about not only our work relationships, we think about our, our families, and sometimes we just look at the world around us. We look at what's happening in, in the Middle East. We look at what's happening to our brothers and sisters in Christ. And even here at home, we read the news and we think about what, what, what is coming down the pike for us as Christians. And how the media and the world just seems to be just turning on us a little bit more every single day. And we say, God, how do I live this life? And this is where we, I think we find Paul in Romans. You know, it says here in, in verse 18, it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time, the things that we're dealing with now, and they were dealing with a lot more than I think we ever even can imagine. That first church in Rome, when they're they getting persecuted, 
for, for sharing their faith, for being Christians, for just living their life. They are, they are on the way to being killed for their faith. So their struggles are way much more than what we have to deal with. We have real struggles as well. And the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. That future that we have awaiting for us in heaven is not even going to come close in comparison to the struggles that we have now. It is going to be exponentially... I don't know if that's how you say that word. I just tried it. My first time this morning. So much better than what we have now. It's going to be amazing. But we've got this gap. Some of us, our gaps are... We can look at it and it's pretty far. Like, wow, I'm pretty young. I've got a long way to go. I hope until I have to see that reality someday. Some of us, our times are getting a little bit shorter. But we still have to live this life. This hard life. And I believe that Paul, here in this passage, gives us some, ha- some life hacks, some, some tips, some things that we can do and attitudes that we can have to make those struggles bearable. Not just bearable, but you know what? Maybe even at the end of it, you can be thankful for it. So the first one I think we come across is, is the truth that we need to know that we are not alone. The truth that we are not alone. Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to the corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. We're not alone. We, we as people, do not live in an island. We are connected to a world that's surrounding us. We are connected to people in so many different ways. If you think about your life, and if maybe you see, you, you look across and you see your, your husband or your wife, or maybe you look at your kids and you look at the situation where you work, and if you trace your steps back, and you look back on your life, and you, you begin to think about the decisions that you made that brought you here to this moment today. And what your life would have been like if you hadn't made that choice. I think about my own life. I think about my wife. And we've been married 19 years. We're going to be 20 years in January. And I'm just so thankful for her. She is just an amazing person to have a part of my life. And I think back and like just how much of a chance it was that we met. If I hadn't gone to that mall in Silverdale, Washington, and if I hadn't taken those two friends with me who tracked her down and made her hide in a corner (laughs) until she was finally able to come out and we had a conversation, my life would be absolutely different. Just a decision that I made. 
And the, the power of the decisions that we make in our lives has ramifications that we can't even understand. When we think about this story, and it talks about the creation being subject to frustration, Tim Keller uses the word alienation, being cut off. We have to realize that Adam, that long time ago, we've all, we've all had that desire, right? Say, you know, I think God wants me to read through the Bible. And so you say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to read through the Bible. So you open up Genesis chapter 1, and you start reading. Man, this is a great story. You hit about the middle of Leviticus, and you're like, huh? What is going on in here? I don't get this sacrifice, priest. What are they wearing? What kind of... What? What is happening? But we usually, we can get through those first three chapters. And we read through that. We read about how God had to punish sin. And he punished Adam's, Adam for his sin. And Eve was punished for his sin. And Satan was punished. But those three aren't the only ones. You read in the scripture about how God said that the creation was going to have to start growing thorns. And that the order of the cosmos was tweaked because God cursed it. All because Adam said, you know what? I want to eat that piece of fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That one decision he made had ramifications for all time. So we are, on, we are not an island. And we have to realize that. We have to know that. That's the negative part about this scripture. You know what the great part about it is? Is that the same hope that we have for our future is the same hope that the creation has for its future. And the hope that we trust in, the hope that we have to be able to get through every single day, every single struggle, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When we know that someday, when our trust is placed in His death, burial, and resurrection, we can know for certain that one day we are going to be with Him. And just as He is resurrected and He is going to live forever, the Bible says that we are resurrected and we are going to be live forever. And when we see Him, we will know Him. And when we know Him, we will be like Him. That is our hope. And the Bible says the creation's is the same hope. If you don't think that the creation is connected to us, you are wrong. Think about when Jesus died. Remember when the the earth became dark for three hours before his death. And that moment that he said, I give up my spirit and he gave his life for us, what happened? The earth quaked. Even think about a week before that time. When he was when he was coming into Jerusalem and, and the Pharisees told the disciples to be quiet, calm your disciples down. And Jesus said that if these disciples were to be quiet, guess what? The stones will cry out. Can you imagine the sound of the earth screaming for joy? For our Savior is reigns. We are connected. And if, not, if, if we're not just connected to the earth, let me tell you, we are connected to one another because our hope, every single one of you who knows Christ in this room, if you know Christ, your hope is in the resurrection as well. And we need to, as a body, come together and grow together and live life together and build each other up and strengthen each other. We must do life as community. 
And I, and I just want to say, you know, if you're not a part of a small group, if you're not a part of a growth group, if you don't have a group of people that you can say, you know what, I want to pray, I have these problems in my life, I want you to come around me and lift me up, you need to do that. You absolutely need to do that. You need to have community together. Number one, Paul says, we are not an island. We do not live this life alone. Number two, we must long for that day that we will be with Jesus. Remember what I talked about earlier when we came to know Christ, we were just so happy. Have you lost maybe that a little bit? Lost that, that, that joy of knowing that, that your sin is covered and that you no longer have to worry about spending eternity away from God, but you get to spend eternity with Him forever. That hope that you have is the same hope that can keep you sustained now. Let's read verses 22 through 25. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. We need a relentless desire to be with our God. Wasn't that Paul's hope? Philippians chapter 1. When he says, for me to live is Christ. Now this is a guy who's sitting in prison. Thinking, waiting for his chance to stand before Caesar and probably come to his death. And he says, for me to live is Jesus Christ. But guess what? To die is gain. And he says, you know, it, it, it's, it, it would be much better for me to be able to be in heaven with my Savior, but I have a purpose here on earth right now. And if I have it to stay here on earth, that's fine by me. But I keep my eye and my vision towards heaven. You know, I, I, I'm a mountain biker. I love the outdoors. I just love the outdoors. But you know what? The part of the thing about mountain biking is, is that the, the downhill is so much fun to do. But there's a problem. You've got to get up that hill sometimes. Every time you got to get up that hill. And climbing up those hills on a mountain bike is hard work. I got a story from this last week. Let me tell you about it. Come to me afterwards. But you, you look at that trail, you see what is ahead, and you're like, this is going to be hard. But you look at where you want to go. You look at the stopping point. You look, I want to get there. And you keep your eyes on that point, and you keep pedaling. And when you want to stop, you say, no, I'm going to keep my focus there. And you keep pedaling, you keep pedaling, and you keep pedaling until you get there. And that is what life is like. You have to keep pedaling, but you don't pedal under your own power. Know whose power you use? Use the power of the Spirit. Like Paul said right here, the Spirit helps us. It's there for us. And when we live life in the Spirit and we allow God's Holy Spirit to come down like that song we were singing before, when we allow the Holy Spirit to come and and have His way with us and we say, God, I want You to direct me. I want You to move through me. I want You to control me. I want You to power me. You can do it. You can keep going on. And it is a small taste. It is a little taste of what heaven's going to be like when we say, God, Your Spirit leads me. It's almost like on Thanksgiving, right? When you sneak into the kitchen and you grab a little big piece of that turkey and you have that little bit of taste, but it is nothing compared to when you sit down at that table and everything is there in front of you. 
That's what heaven's going to be like. But we just have a small taste when we allow the Spirit to live in us. So we have to have a longing for what is ahead, for our future, for what God has in store for us. That was number two. Number three, we need to learn to release our lives to God. We have to learn to release our control to God. Verse 26 and verse 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. What is our weakness? What is this weakness that that it says that the Spirit is going to help us with? And that's not being in control. You know, I sometimes in life, you think things are going really well, right? Things are going good. You wonder, man, these things are going great. And then you say, man, why did I say that? But things in life can go well, and all of a sudden, it can go sideways. All of a sudden. If I can get my pictures up here really quick. There it is. There's my baby number six. All right? Uh, February 26, 2016. Beautiful day here in the Treasure Valley. Some of those days that you get in February where it's cool. You know, it's not hot, not cold. It is a perfect day. A couple guys here in the church, they said, hey, let's go riding Friday morning. Let's go riding. I'm like, that sounds like a great idea. We hopped on our bikes and we just did a mountain bike ride. That's what mountain bikers do. We stick our bikes up against posts and take pictures of them. All right? <laughs> it's a weird thing. I don't get it, but you have to do it to show off, I guess. Um, so we, we stick, I took this picture when we were at the top of the trailhead and I kept it in my phone and then we made it back down and we were done by noon. Great morning riding. But it was a day off from school. Uh, so I said, you know what? Brendan, my oldest son, let's go skiing. All right? So I hop on, we, we, we get our gear together, we get into my truck and we drive up to Bogus Basin and we have a bluebird day. Let me tell you, we were all over the mountain that day, front side, back side, all over the place. It was just a fantastic day of skiing with my son. And we, we, we stop in, in, in the lodge at the top and, and we grab a bite to eat. And while I'm up there, I, I pull up my phone, I pull up Facebook and I say, you know, what? I'm, I'm going to share with all my friends and I'm going to brag what I got to do today. Right? So I throw on there, I throw that picture of that mountain bike up on Facebook. I throw that picture of me skiing on Facebook. And I'm like, this is my day today. Great way to do a day. And then I had to post another picture a little bit later on that day. Next slide, please. Oh, uh, yeah, that is me in the emergency room. Because right after I got done posting those pictures on Facebook, do two more runs. The final run, I tell my son, all right, we're going to go down. You go this way, I'll go that way. We're going to meet down there at the, at, the, at the chairlift, and we'll head home. And I crash, and I break my arm. Right? And I won't mention her name, but she's leading worship this morning. Um, she, she sees me on, on the next Sunday morning, and she says, you know, I can't help, but I laugh. When I saw your, your, top, your Facebook timeline, because here you are doing this fun stuff, and then finally the last picture of you in the emergency room. My day went sideways just like that. And that's what life can do sometimes. Life can go sideways quickly. But let me, let, let me tell you something. 
We have to be willing to say, you know what? God is in control. And when my life takes a turn that I'm not expecting, we have to be willing to say, you know what? I trust in my God and I trust in my Savior and I trust in my Father that He has the best ideas for what is supposed to happen in my life. His plan is perfect and I'm going to trust in Him. Now, when I say those things, if you're having struggles, if you're dealing with difficult times right now, that is one of the hardest things to be able to hear. And you may be saying right now, if you are dealing with a struggle with health, with family, with job, and you are on the brink of just saying, I want to quit, me up here saying, you know what? God is going to be with you is, going to be, is one of the hardest things for you to accept. But it's truth. Paul says it is absolutely true. He is a God who loves you, who is wanting to be with you, and he's wanting to help you through your difficult times. And if you are willing to submit to His will, you can have peace beyond all understanding. And when everything is chaos around you, you can say, God, I know you are in control. Because we just submit. Because we know we have an all-powerful God who loves us so much and will not allow us to go through anything that he doesn't believe that we don't need or cannot handle. That's number three. We need to release control over to God and stop taking it over. When things get hard, taking it back. Number four. Finally, we need to remember the end game. We need to remember that we are being transformed. One of the greatest passages in Scripture, Romans 8.28, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good to those who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He predestined, to be conformed to the image of His Son. When God saved you, He had a plan for you. When God saved you, He said, You know what? I know what I want you to be. And you know who I want you to be like? I want you to be like my Son. I am want you to be like Jesus. I want you to know Him. I want you to love Him. And I want you to be able to say, I want to be like Christ. When you read through the Scripture, and you read through the Gospel, and you read about who He was, how He acted, how He was able to love so unconditionally... Don't you want that to be a part of your life? Don't you see him and say, you know what? I wish I could just be a little bit like Jesus. And God says, you can be. And God says, you know what? If you commit yourself. If you say, you know what, God? I believe in you. And I know the purpose that you have for me in this life. And whatever that purpose may be. Maybe it's you're a dad, a mom, an employee, an employer. Whatever it is that God has given you to do, maybe it's a student, that is your purpose, this is what God has told you to do. If you say, you know what, God, I want to do this purpose for you. He says, those struggles, those, those things that you deal with in your life, that is my refining fire, that is what I'm going to use to shape, 
to mold, to move you to be like Christ. And you know what? He's committed to it. He is committed to the end. Do you know why? Because he's already said it's going to happen. Verse 30. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he has also glorified. To him, to our God in heaven, it's a done deal. And he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. And let me tell you, if you're struggling right now, and you, 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 or maybe you look at life, and you're saying, you know what, this is a big journey ahead. This is a big road ahead. And I'm not sure what to expect. I guarantee you that through those difficult times, He is always, always, always going to be with you. He's committed to you. And so what do I say to you this morning? Embrace it. If you're struggling right now, embrace it. Knowing that He is going to use it for your good. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, Lord, I thank you for this passage of Scripture. And Lord, there is so much hope written in these lines that we could spend a month going through it and realizing the great plan that you have for our lives through our trials, through our struggles. And so, Lord, uh, I just think of those, those students who are standing up here this morning. And God, it is such a great time to know that your, your studies are done, your commencement is coming soon, and you're going to be graduating from high school. But I know that, God, each one of these students that was up here this morning has a life in front of them, and it is going to have its challenges. And I lift them up to you, and I pray that these truths that we talked about this morning would be foundational to their lives so that, Lord, they know that they are walking in your purpose. Lord, I lift up this church as well. Lord, this church has done amazing works in the past through your Spirit, Lord. And Lord, I truly do honestly believe that you have a, a vision for this church that is beyond what we could even possibly think or imagine. So I pray that we as a church as well would have a vision for what you have for us. But Lord, I pray for those in this audience, in this congregation, in this body right now who are hurting. I pray that you would just come alongside, you would lift them up, that you would comfort them, and that you would be their Abba, that you would be their Daddy. And that, Lord, you would allow them to know that you are with them. And that, Lord, you have a purpose and a plan for the struggles that they go through and that they would be patient through it. Lord, I thank you for this morning. Thank you for Christ. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.